everybody, welcome back to The Bind. This is your host, Andrea Eriks, and for the past couple of sessions, we've been talking about this idea of tribes and how we exist within those amongst our individual selves and what that looks like on the tribal level. So it couldn't have been more perfect. I have for a while been wanting to revisit the movie, the 1998 film Pleasantville, starring Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. They're a brother and sister who get transported to a utopian world in black and white television in which everything's perfect. So think Leave it to Beaver. Very similar concept. And the brother Toby McGuire, he loves this utopian idealistic view of society. And the sister Reese Witherspoon, she is the rebel who instigates a whole lot of upheaval for this community. I've been thinking to myself with that movie that that is actually an excellent place to pull so many concepts for us to process when it comes to ourselves within the tribe and ourselves within the individual self. And it also speaks to the micro tribes that exist within the tribes. So as we know, there is not really such a thing as a successful utopia. Every time that society has attempted to form a utopia, this disbands itself because as humans, we have our individual desires, our individual needs, and those things that propel us into our own identities, which sometimes clashes with who we are at the tribal level. As I watched this movie unfold, it was such an excellent piece to watch when thinking about how our individual selves can really clash with who we are at the tribal level and the degree to which each of us changes uniquely to who we are within that tribe when the tribe begins to evolve. I don't think that it takes a genius to recognize that society has never stood stagnant even when we desire to do such. It just does not work out. Society eventually gets ahead of us and anybody who wants to stay, so to speak, behind has to make the choice to put extreme parameters around that micro tribe, that there is very little room for uniqueness in identity, individuality, does not have much space to breathe. And this is exactly what this movie is depicting. As we walk through the narrative of Pleasantville, what begins to happen is this society goes from being a culture of black and whiteness and non-otherness to over the course of time being introduced to new concepts anywhere from sexuality to reading material to micro rebellious acts that operate outside of the expectations of the tribe that is Pleasantville. As these rebellions begin to happen, the town becomes illuminated with color. So it evolves from going from black and white to a very vibrant society. But some people are not as privy and welcoming of this society as others. And in comes this idea of that internal civil war that we talked about in our last session. Along with the internal civil war is the internal self-war. So we have the internal civil war as in what's happening to the community as a whole as a result of all of these changes. But then what's happening to the self within the tribe and where one believes that they belong due to the way they are evolving or remaining stagnant. As we watch Pleasantville, we can actually see some really good examples of what it looks like to transition or to be one who is not in transition. 
and how everybody's process is indeed an individual process that uh, sometimes it aligns well with where the tribe once was and other times it aligns better with where the tribe is headed into diversities within the tribe. And we always have to ask ourselves, is there space for diversity within the tribe or is it going to destroy the tribe? Because at the very internal level, as biological creatures, our greatest fear is that shift in the tribe represents danger to the self, which is, I personally believe, one of the top reasons why many people cannot change and adapt when we begin to evolve as a culture. We can see very well within the character of the mom in Pleasantville exactly how difficult it can be to adapt to such a change. Within her character, Joan Allen is faced with her own curiosity and the danger that that potentially presents to her. She begins by asking her own children, who are evolving at a much faster pace, imagine that, than she is, what these changes are that are taking place, and in her own way, asking about how to pursue her curiosity about the changes. In that scene, there's a scene actually where Joan Allen's character is talking to Reese Witherspoon's character and Reese Witherspoon is introducing her mom to sex of all things. Joan Allen begins to pursue her curiosity and in that she is slowly beginning to separate herself from the tribe as she once existed within it, choosing to be rebellious. What's really important about that character though is that as she pursues her curiosity, I think one of the most enlightening things is when we begin to recognize her own fear of her pleasure in the changes that she is utilizing in her own life. Later on in the movie, Joan Allen begins to become a colored person and she's no longer black and white. But there's this very powerful scene in which she's in her kitchen and her husband is calling to her to bring some hors d'oeuvres out to the family room where he is entertaining one of the local uh, politicians. And she sits in the kitchen in tears because she has become what she was so curious to become, but she's grappling with the reality that she can never exist within the tribe the way that she once did. In comes her son, Toby McGuire, and he adorns her in makeup that is black and white so she can remain concealed within the tribe, so she isn't having to face the changes that she herself is just now experiencing within her own life. I love that scene. It is the scene of a person coming to the realization that they have lived one way for a certain amount of time and for all intents and purposes that part of who they are served them, but they can't necessarily stay in that place nor do they want to. And so what are the repercussions that are to be faced when we choose to shift who we are and what that looks like within the tribal system? I have so many situations in which this situation occurs within reality that I felt so empathetic to Joan Allen's character. It made me think of my own process of who I am as a member of the religion that I affiliate myself with. I walk a life of Christianity and uh, there's a very deep meaningful story about why my faith is sacred to me and it always will be. In my journey as a believer of Christ, I have evolved so far from where I began that journey. I actually began my journey in very, um, what people today would probably call fundamental roots, but to me, 
I began, uh, so I didn't have a background in any sort of religion or faith growing up. So it was sacredly mine, and where I began it was perfect for how I wanted to springboard my faith walk. But as I began to walk more and enlighten myself and grow more, I started to realize that I don't quite align with doing my Christian walk the way that I did when I first began that. And that is a weeble wobble process because there's always this dance of who we once were and who we are becoming and how that allows us to fit in or feel persecuted for who we become at the individual level that disaligns with what the tribe is expecting people to be. We could have this deeper conversation, but I think that as far as religion is concerned, we'll save religion itself as a topic for another set of, of podcast sessions. But what I'm trying to get to today is my own walk, my own journey with how I had to wrestle with becoming something new within a society that I wanted to remain part of. I didn't want to leave it, but I didn't want for it to stay the way that it had always looked. Uh, let's journey back to Pleasantville for just a second here because I think something that's really important is to recognize what Joan Allen's husband was doing in the process of her own transition. So the husband is played by William Macy and who doesn't love William Macy? He's just this very sweet, innocent character in like every movie he ever plays and he doesn't disappoint in Pleasantville. He is the unchanging man who's so sweetly innocent that you can't blame him for who he is, but it's kind of like that, oh, bless your heart moment where you recognize he doesn't necessarily have the capacity to be anything other than what he is, which is quite a dilemma when we're talking about a marriage, because if one partner is going in one direction and the other partner stays stagnant, how does that sustain? Anyway, the foil that was created between these two showed that while one person is propelling forward, we run the risk of somebody else staying behind and being left in the dust. And that is what happened in the case of Pleasantville. But uh, I, I don't think that the director wanted us to hate one character over the other. I think the director was pleading that we figure out how to make space for both people in who they were and where they were on their journey. So it wasn't necessarily about the fact that they were husband and wife. It was the fact that they were individuals so closely linked in the tribe and they were growing distant from one another and how do we allow that to be okay? And where do we discern those lines between what's right and what's wrong? Is there right and is there wrong? We've been exploring that within this podcast since the beginning of this podcast. Is there such a thing as right and wrong when it comes to the individual self and the journeys we take on our walks of life? So bringing it back to where I am in my own process with how I do my faith walk, it has been quite a journey to transition out of how I have operated within my faith system for so long. I realized about myself that no matter how hard I try to not ruffle feathers, I am naturally rebellious. And I attribute a lot of this to being a therapist because when you're in a therapy room, day in and day out, the one thing you recognize is that everybody is in an individual process and no matter how together they present themselves on the outside for the world to see, there's always like a 90% of them that's hiding behind the well-ironed uh, clothes and the, the primness of their identity to the tribe as a whole. And this is where I found my own self was having to grapple with the reality that I am a rebel within my 
faith tribe and is that okay or do I have to leave this system that has been so healing to who I am in my identity or do I figure out a way to make space for me to exist the way I am and still have grace for individuals who may have necessarily stayed fairly the same in their own walk because for whatever reason they're choosing not to move and to remain steady in the court. That just wasn't the course for me. I don't apologize for that and I have come to the conclusion in my own life that that's not necessarily wrong. It's merely different and it's what God is calling me toward in my own walk in life. Regardless of that though, regardless of the peace that I was able to come to at the individual level and the direction that my faith walk was taking, I would be lying to you if I said, oh, this was such an easy process. I just made a decision that I was going to be a rebel one day and I was such and it all worked out perfectly. That is not true. In my own walk in this one particular tribe of my life, I have really had to wrestle with the difficulty of what it meant to be slowly distancing more and more from a faith the way I knew it to the faith the way I want it to be today. In that process came a lot of loss and also came a lot of consideration because at the time that I began transitioning the way that I walk out my faith, I also had a family in tow. I had to consider where my husband was at in his faith journey. I had to consider where my children are at in their faith journey, which is, I mean, it's as, you know, foundational as it can get because they're young and their concept of who God is, is so minimal and it's just going to be something that they continue to walk in and decide for themselves where they are with that part of life. And I am a parent that believes like I can give my kids the faith part of life, but it is fully their free will, as God said it should be, that they choose if they want to walk a life of faith or if they want to go a different direction. But what I'm getting at ultimately here is that my, I guess I'll call my faith part a macro tribe because it involves a greater community. I mean, some people that are within my faith walk are friends, but then other people are just part of the connection but I don't necessarily have an intimacy with them beyond that commonality that we all want to follow Christ. So I have the macro tribe, but then I have the micro tribe, which is my family, but then I have the individual self. And all three of these parts are functioning separately, but together. And to discern what that looks like is quite a process to be in the midst of. As I took my journey more and more and experimented more and more with asking myself, is it right or wrong to be the rebel? I found myself getting into more and more sticky situations with other believers within the church. So what that looked like was, Um, I once upon a time thought that it was wise to join women's groups and women's Bible studies. I have since learned that that is just not the right fit for me. It is the right fit for some people. It is not the right fit for me because uh, there was something that was happening for me within those processes that happen in women's groups where I was getting more stirred up and felt more disaligned than I felt aligned and I just didn't feel quote unquote fruitful at the end of my time with Uh, women's groups. It's just never worked out for me. And so what I had to do was I had to say, okay, what does this time that I spend in these women's group actually teach me about who I am in my identity? And am I bad because it doesn't align with what the standard typical look is supposed to be? 
that was quite a difficult journey for me to go on because there were times where I would be sitting in women's groups where women who were, I guess, leading the study that I was part of would call me out and essentially tell me I was bad within the tribe. And you walk away from those situations feeling like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of an inch high and you're sick to your stomach, so you're about ready to go home and vomit because you've been ostracized in a group that you want to be part of, but you don't altogether feel like the thing you said was necessarily bad. It was just bad in the context that somebody didn't agree with it and they thought that you were going to, uh, I don't know, soil the other members of the tribe that was meeting at that particular group. And what I had to do as a result of that was for me, my process was I've got to put up a lot of walls around myself in a not closed off kind of way, but in a process kind of way. All of these walls went up around me in which I felt the need to very intentionally protect myself and maintain my closeness to God while I maintained my distance from the church. So that way I could ask myself these harder questions of, is it wrong to be a rebel within the tribe or is it merely different and sometimes scary to be a rebel within the tribe? There is a very particular situation that occurred for me. It was the last women's study group that I was part of and I think it will most likely be the last women's study group that I was part of unless something shifts within me. But we were all reading a book together and I did not like this book. I thought it was horrible. And by the way, if you are part of one of these groups and you read a book, just because a Christian writes it does not mean you have to like it. There is some material out there that is just not good or it just doesn't align with who you are. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean the author's bad. Just means it's okay to disagree. So I pretty much spoke out about this and the person who was running the group did not appreciate that so much. And uh, we left the study in opposition of one another. And then she took it upon herself being the good leader that she is to write a message to me and um, throw some scripture my way in letting me know that what I did was not quote unquote godly. You can imagine that this did not sit well with me. uh, But what it did do was it put me into process. From that moment, I made a very distinct choice to do that wall-off process that I talked about just a couple moments ago. And it has been probably a year now since putting up those walls and really asking myself what it means to be different within a system that I still want to be part of. Fortunately for me, I have an extremely supportive husband and he was along with me for that journey and he just really helped me feel okay in the barricades that I needed to put up and he didn't rush that process and he didn't invade that process. He allowed that process to be mine and that was exactly what I needed. In having the space to evaluate where I was, I came to realize that certain parts of the tribe simply don't align with who I am or how I want to walk in that tribe, but I had to give myself the grace to understand that just because I didn't fit the mold 100% didn't mean that I wasn't welcome to be part of that. And it also didn't mean that I had to change something within myself because I was so rebellious that it would negatively impact the trajectory of the tribe. In fact, I would argue that the opposite happened, that the more that I could lean into my faith in a more intimate and authentic kind of way, 
the more space it made for me to see other individuals in their own walks and how they operate intimately and individually within that, but still have room to exist within the tribe. And that was such a beautiful recognition that I came to. This is exactly what the movie Pleasantville is talking about. You have people who want to push against you for desiring to try to be different and bold and uniquely yourself. And that may present discomfort for some and people will act out and they will try to push against you and ostracize you to keep you more steady because steadiness uh, gives people a sense of comfort which actually is quite understandable. That's one of those links that we can find that helps us understand that where someone else is in the process may not necessarily be where we are. And even though it may feel icky for us to have to experience that, we can still have the capacity to make space for ourselves in our process and others in theirs. It really is not for us to determine where somebody needs to be in their process. I think that I'm saying that in a very loaded way because sometimes we are having to push people just a little bit to see the necessity for change. But at the same time, sometimes we just have to make space to understand that we're in a place that's different from another person and that isn't necessarily wrong on our end and it isn't necessarily wrong on their end. It's just a holding ground where we can either choose to bridge the relationship or go a different direction from it altogether. That's the beauty of our autonomy is that at the end of the day, we get to choose what we do and own those choices and frankly learn how to embrace those choices that we are making at the individual level without a sense of shame or guilt so that we can remain our whole authentic self still honoring a part that we once held more sacredly and honoring a part that's beginning to rise up and take place of the other part it's a growing process it's not singular it's not a smooth transition all the time but it happens. The only time that that doesn't happen is when we consciously work to maintain ourselves within a vacuum so we can attempt to say, stay as safe as humanly possible because we are more afraid of what the change provokes than we are optimistic about what a change has to offer us. I know that we're coming short on time for today. And so what I want for you to process until our next podcast session is how much space you are making for yourself to shift into a greater sense of self-identity, self-acceptance, and transition with your identity within a certain aspect of tribes that you're part of, and also how much space you are making for somebody else who isn't necessarily in the same place that you are within that journey. I encourage you to process that this week and go deeper into your identity from a sense of firmness in who you are but maybe building this cushion of space that allows you to introspect to what degree you're allowing other individuals to have their process at their own pace. What I'm essentially saying here is can you slow down your own need for who you are to understand that just like you is another person on the other side of the relationship who is 
fighting a very similar battle to what you are fighting, but they're processing it from their own individual walk and what makes them comfortable, what makes them uncomfortable, who they know their self to be, and who they fear they may be becoming. And instead of going at it from a place of war, figuring out how you can cultivate a place of peace that will bridge you together with that relationship, though there may be distance, there can be a bridge, and maintain the sanctity of who a relationship or a tribe is to you, but also honor your authentic self so you don't feel the need to hide or conceal yourself due to who you have become. I wish you the very best of luck in processing this. Next week, we're just going to peck away more and more at this sense of self and self-identity and the tribal self and see how we evolve into greater processing as time goes on. As always, thank you so much for tuning into The Bind and please visit the website thebindpodcast.com. Feel free to drop me a message or ask me a question. If there's something that you think you would like to process on this podcast, I am more than happy if it makes sense and it aligns with what this podcast represents to do that. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.